For years, it's been easy for many of us in B.C. to think of food security as, well, somebody else's problem, or just to not think about it at all. If there was ever any doubt before, it's gone now. Food security is a critical issue. The assured, ready supply of a wide variety of food that we become accustomed to is in jeopardy. This is all part of an article recent, recently written by our next guest entitled Food Security Should Be Next on BC's Political Menu. The author of the piece is the president of Royal Roads University. A pleasure to say good morning and welcome to Dr. Philip Steenkamp. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Sterling, and thank you for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure, Philip, and I'm, I appreciated the article very much. And uh, we're a pretty complacent bunch. And prior to a few recent shocks to our food supply, were they, had they not happened, it's likely we would have been that continuing complacent bunch this morning, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for the longest time, I think 60, 70 years, food's been very cheap in North America you know, if, if you look at around 1900, I think households in North America were probably paying, uh, were using about 42% of their income to pay for food. And then that dropped to about 10% in the 50s. And until recently, it's been at that level, not for all households, of course, but on an average. Indeed. Well, we got a taste of food insecurity on a grand scale early in the pandemic. Now, it wasn't food in those early days. For some mysterious reason, Philip, the, the, the crisis was on toilet paper and hand sanitizer. But it quickly evolved into things like flour and, and other household staples. Suddenly, the shelves were empty. That's food insecurity in spades. And that was rare for us. Yeah, very rare for us. And, you know, some of that had to do with disruptions in supply chains because of COVID. Sure. But then, of course, in November 2021, here in B.C., we saw the atmospheric rivers, which devastated, uh, you know, farms through the Fraser Valley. And yes. none of us can forget those images of the drowned chickens and pigs. And, uh, you know, even bee, uh, even beehives and apiaries were all overwhelmed and, and thousands and thousands killed. And so that was our local backyard food supply, the one that we take the most for granted, that all of a sudden, essentially, for a short term at least, disappeared. Yeah, absolutely uh, disappeared. And, you know, this is happening on a global scale, of course. You know, it's compounded by climate change, which is disrupting, um, you know, crop productivity around the world. Um, it's also disrupted by war. We've seen the incredible impact of Russia's brutal invasion on Ukraine and the way that's disrupted Ukrainian wheat supply, mm -hmm. mostly to African countries. Um, you know, we've seen an increase in hunger over the last few years after making steady progress for many years. But, you know, the estimates now are over 800 million people worldwide are undernourished. And that number is probably rising. Dr. Steenkamp, how do politicians make food security a priority? What legislatively can be done to ensure greater food security? Well, I think it has to happen at all levels, right? So at the international level, it's a big issue with the United Nations and sort of affiliated agencies. And there have been summits on food and food security. It featured for the first time really prominently in the uh, climate uh, uh, conference this last year in Cairo, mm -hmm. uh, the biodiversity conference in, in Montreal. So these are at the international level, people saying food, food security, sustainable food systems must be a priority. And so I think our federal politicians have a duty you know, to raise those issues in those forums. Uh, then, of course, nationally, the federal government has a role 
I believe, to uh, you know, clearly indicate that food security is a top priority. And we haven't really seen that here in this country. I mean, there's a lot of angst around inflation, particularly inflation around food. And then there's a provincial responsibility to do so as well. And then I actually think community by community, there's a responsibility to highlight the importance of food and food security and at a household level and at an individual level. And we've all got different roles to play. Sure. Um, but, you, you know, you, you asked the question from a policy point of view. So from a policy point of view, uh, you know, I think the, the ways to incent um, the development of sustainable uh, food systems through obviously things like resourcing and funding and grants, um, tax treatments, tax incentives, uh, you know, things like that. But also uh, there's a whole national scientific community that, that, you know, can and should be convened around these issues. Um, And at the local level, uh, local governments, city, you know, city governments, town um, and and village governments and indigenous governments, indeed, I think, um, need to demonstrate leadership on them. And some are indeed. Let's talk a little bit about what you're up to in your own backyard there at Royal Roads University. Philip, you've got something called the Giving Garden at the farm on campus. Tell us more, please. Yes, yeah, so the Giving Garden is the first phase of something we call in the farm at Royal Roads University, and that is uh, bringing food back under cultivation at um, at our campus. You know, our campus was, of course, the, the Hadley Park Estate, the, the famous estate run by the Dunsmere family. Right. And they had something called an Edwardian kitchen garden, which is a five-acre walled garden where they grew food. Hmm. When I started as president a few years ago, I asked the question, why aren't we growing food at scale in this garden sure. anymore? And so we started last year. We started something called the Giving Garden, and we call it the Giving Garden because uh, all the food grown on that garden we give to local partners, um, particularly to low-income families. Uh, We started it in April of 2022, and since then we've produced over 1,000 pounds of produce that's gone to local partners. So over the next few years, we're going to expand that Giving Garden we're going to create an indigenous food and medicine garden, a restored and expanded polyculture orchard as well. And we're going to be holding community workshops and volunteer opportunities just to get everybody in our community and in surrounding communities engaged in these critical questions of food and food security. Indeed. And you mentioned uh, climate change being a factor. And certainly those of us, uh, well, in this part of Canada particularly, we depend a great deal on California, which has been absolutely hammered by a series of major consequential climate change-like events, floods and fires and so on, to the extent where the sorts of reliable California stuff that we've been so accustomed to had been not completely wiped out by any means, but greatly reduced and therefore considerably more costly in the process. Yeah, Stilling, that's a critical issue. And I think a really, really stark demonstration of why we need to increase food security at home, why we need to grow more food ourselves, because those disruptions we've seen and more are coming, mm-hmm. and they're going to keep coming. You know, you, you mentioned the floods in, in California, but as well, there's a pathogen which is just raging through the, the lettuce crops in central California. And this, we've seen this huge spike in lettuce prices. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about this huge spike in, in the price of eggs right now, too. So, you know, we need to do much more. I think, you know, trade will continue to be an important part of food security. 
but growing at home is going to be critical. And, you know, uh, you know the, the, the kind of experiment we have at Rural Roads is at a fairly small scale, sure. but it's important. And if everybody got involved and engaged, um, we could produce at scale. There are other incredible, incredible technological innovations in the space right now, like vertical gardens. Um, incredible stuff happening in Singapore and the Netherlands. Um, so you can grow food vertically, and you can grow mass, massive amounts of food vertically as well. And I know some local governments are very interested in looking at, at those options too. Recent shocks to our food supply should give us an appetite for action, is the statement the headline writer made uh, at the beginning of your article in the Vancouver Sun a couple of days ago. What sort of appetite do you sense right now, both at the provincial and federal level, for uh, paying considerably more attention to food security? I think the appetite is there at the individual, the household, the community level, but it needs to kind of come together at the provincial and at at the national level. Uh, I mean, when I talk to, for instance, the Minister of Agriculture here, uh, the Minister of Agriculture is deeply interested in in, in these issues, but we need to come together. I chatted to uh, Wendy Grant-John the other day from Musqueam Nation, and she she called me following this article and said, you know, there's a whole bunch of Indigenous communities looking at these issues, but how do we get together? Mm-hmm. So we need, we need somebody to convene this group. So Wendy and I have had a discussion about getting together and convening groups who are working on these issues, because there are, there are dozens, hundreds, hundreds of of uh, communities and organizations are very concerned about these issues and working on these issues. So I'm going to look at ways in which we can convene around these issues and connect to what's happening at the provincial and at the national levels. If any good is to come from the food supply shocks of the past three years and the more severe incidents that are sure to come, it's that they've given us all an appetite for these conversations. It's time for our leaders to get cooking, says our guest, Dr. Philip Steenkamp from Royal Roads University. Terrific article, sir. Thank you for being with us this morning, Philip. A treat to have you. Thank you so much, Sterling, and thank you for your interest in this hugely important subject.